0: room featuring a new guest.
1: It's me, Nourish Khalid (laughs) Maksud.
0: I was going to say they won't understand if you just say it's me. I'm glad you said your name.
1: But your four listeners will know it's (laughs) me from my voice.
0: (laughs) We had Frank on recently, Mm. Frank Dawson, who who you're aware of. My
1: old housemate and my best friend who Alex has stolen from me. So that's nice.
0: We won't talk about that. No, we won't. Any further. No. But he was in your master's degree for sustainability yeah and we had a really interesting chat about his three years at leeds plus his master's and sustainability living as well mm. sustainable living so i wanted to talk to you a bit about your degree both at keel university and leeds should we start with the master's or where would you prefer to to start i to think the
1: master's Cause i don't think anyone cares about me going to keel
0: Where <laughs> <laughs> you think leeds is more important
1: no just i don't know more interesting i guess Because our our master's was unique in that we had like a lot of field trips and then COVID hit. Frank and I and like a few other people, well, everyone on our course went away to Wales. I don't know if Frank talks about that.
0: Not particularly, no. No,
1: we went away to Wales. We were forced to go in our like second week at uni, went away for a week. There was hardly any Wi-Fi. It was in the middle of nowhere. It was like this really sustainable place called CAT, the Centre of Alternative Technology and it was really fun we learned about sustainable things we ate vegetarian food the whole week some of it was horrible i learned that frank is allergic to fruit that was really that's the that's the thing i learned the most i mm. think yeah that sounds it. to find my time there yeah the center of alternative technology was was good i remember my one of the lecturers paul he was saying to um steve that he stays up at night worrying about climate change <laughs> <laughs> Are these
0: your lecturers? They
1: were my lecturers. They, they were very different to like, I think, undergrad lecturers because we got really close to them like as people because they only taught us like Steve's baby
0: was our course. It was a new course through we the second cohort. So I was very impressed by hearing that because there's a, a level of excitement that you get thinking that hardly anyone studied this. Yeah.
1: Or the, it could have been shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which it wasn't. I learned a lot. And I don't know if Could, it was worth ten grand.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Could you talk to me a bit about how, because he was Frank was saying about what he decided to do for his, uh I think it was his thesis. Or, yeah. Or, so what what did you look at for your?
1: So I originally wanted to do something about trees, and like trees around Leeds and stuff like that. But because COVID hit, I couldn't really do anything like that because I couldn't go out and talk to like the local council. So I did do it about trees, but I did it about policies and media around trees, which is riveting. So I was looking at tree planting policies um, because trees are really crucial to climate change. So I was seeing how... Trees, how important they are, how much they're being implemented.
0: So you know when companies say they're going to plant a certain amount of trees based on you know the Instagram thing that was going on recently. Yeah,
1: I did look into that Instagram thing. So the Instagram thing going on recently was the people posting a picture of their pet and some Instagram page was going to plant loads of trees, and they actually tweeted saying they don't have the capacity to plant like three million trees, but they would plant <laughs> like ten thousand.
0: Okay, we would if we could, but yeah, but they,
1: but they didn't. I don't think they knew it was going to blow up that much. That was
0: interesting. But how, like... how does one? Because obviously, it's a very good idea to to plant some trees, and it's clearly very helpful. But how does one go about planting it? Like, firstly, how do you get everything you need, and secondly, how do you get the land that you need to do that?
1: I don't know. Not a tree. <laughs> some tree expert. I completely
0: got you misunderstood. <laughs> but
1: you barely know me Alex.
0: Okay so you're not too clued up on the whole. <laughs> no I
1: think that in terms of land you just acquire land. So one of the policies that I learned about in my thesis was the government are trying to get farmers instead of having farmland for animals like because obviously cows waste a lot of space, sheep waste a lot of space. They're really unviable. The sheep and lamb industry it's like really subsidised by the government because no one really eats lamb or like uh, mutton So um, instead of like wasting all that land for very few animals, they're saying to farmers, tree farm, plant trees, look after the trees and we'll like help you out with that. So that's like a, that's a way that you could plant trees. But obviously trees need specific land. You can't just build on like brown belt but in terms of that instagram page i've no idea how they're going to plant trees hopefully we'll
0: find out you mentioned about media and trees how how do they just see?
1: how people feel about in the media about tree planting if it's positive or negative if people think it's a waste of space or people are really for it if people think it's not going to do anything but overall it was positive from what i saw in in all types of media in like tabloid and like the other one
0: so there's a ge- <laughs> <laughs> there's a general consensus that tree planting is what are the benefits Are they mainly climate based
1: no they're actually not mainly climate based which is something that i talked about so talk about our work actually is there was a study it was a it was a correlation it wasn't like an exact correlation but trees can reduce crime i've heard about that yeah so trees do a lot of things it's mostly... do they get
0: in like the way of muggins they're Yeah. like yeah, yeah, whoa, yeah. you you like, can't stay the yeah. slap
1: the anyway <laughs> um, <laughs> no trees like are really good for biodiversity. So a lot of animals, a lot of habitats. Um, obviously, they sequester carbon. So they draw carbon out of the atmosphere. Tree rings I also use Tree rings are really interesting. You can like see how the climates change through the way a tree grows in rings. Trees are good for our mental health because of greenery, getting out into the environment. Trees just make people genuinely happier, less stressed.
0: There is evidence that walking in green spaces or in forests yeah. every day mm. or regularly does uh, increase or decrease like, mental Yeah,
1: health. just like being in nature is just something that humans need to be in.
0: So how does this relate slightly? We were talking about um, HS2 and the fact that there are some issues with where the line is going and what they will disrupt. So they will disrupt some trees and biodiversity?
1: There's a lot of issues with HS2. <laughs> Let's <laughs> <Just> not <laughs> looking at this specific one, yeah. Um so obviously there's a lot of ancient woodlands, so really old trees, really important trees. They've sequestered a lot of carbon, they've got a lot of like data we can get from them, and they're being moved, from my understanding, moved to different places. Which is fine if it works, but I just it's sad that they need to be moved for HS2 because Really, like, do we really need a really fast train between London and Birmingham? Not really. It'd be nice if they did that in the north. I'd be more for it. So it's pros and cons. I don't know if I'd go out and protest against it because I think, you know, we're really behind in terms of transport in other countries. So I think HS2 is a good idea. Um, it's just
0: how how they go about it's it. It's just
1: how they're going about it. But then they've got to build the line and it's going to... And I guess they can't just do it all through a city in, like loads of people's houses because that would cause an uproar.
0: But hopefully the companies or the people that are planting... They are, they are.
1: They're replanting and stuff like that. But the thing is, even if they cut down a tree and replant it, it's, a tree takes hundreds of years to grow properly. It's not going to get working in terms of sequestering carbon and like biodiversity for a long time. So it's not a straightaway impact. So that's why it's difficult as well.
0: So those are the main things that you were looking at in your master's degree? We looked anything? at
1: housing, energy, biodiversity, transport.
0: What particularly interested you? Happen?
1: Housing. Housing was interesting. Actually, on my birthday, eleventh of February, I we did a lecture about Grenfell. So about housing and like different like social impacts of housing, and it was really sad. Actually, it was someone that wrote the uh, book about Grenfell, and that was. It's just really amazing that I've been able to have lectures about that. Even though it's like a sustainability course, we've really got a wider learning about politics um, around sustainability, which is really interesting. Why certain things will or won't happen. An interesting thing we learned about is like why more cities don't have an underground like London does. And it's just too expensive to build. It just costs way too much money for to build an underground in Leeds because Leeds is such a small city compared to London. And obviously, London's was built such a long time ago. It's easy for them to maintain it.
0: What what would uh, London do without an underground? It seems that it's already very busy.
1: I don't know. Do you know what's so strange? Obviously, I've only just moved to London, so This is my own opinion. But I don't think lo- the underground is like one of the main transport things in london like if you want to go to central london you probably would get on a tube but like i think the buses and the trains like the overground and the thames link are just as important because the thames link connects north and south and like the buses are so cheap and run way more often
0: and there's a reduction in cars so they'll probably be faster
1: yeah definitely because yeah so i don't i don't know about the tube i think london would be okay without the tube because like it's not, In my life, where I live in London, I don't ever get on the Tube, ever. I don't know about it, because obviously you're from London as well. Did you ever get on the Tube?
0: A bit more frequently. I was using the Jubilee and Northern Lines quite a bit. Why? Just to get into central London from North Greenwich. It's quite an easy connection. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Northern I used do that Lines, as well. pretty solid to get through the kind of the middle of central London. It goes through Bank, uh, London Bridge.
1: Yeah. yeah. But that's the thing. There's so much more to London than just central London. I feel like the Tubes are just focused on central London. Yeah, I
0: mean, they don't come out too far. No,
1: they don't. That's what I mean. So, like, if you want to travel from Brixton to Croydon, you're not going to get on the tube because there's no such thing. So you're going to get on different forms of transport. So I think a city can do fine without tubes. We don't need it. Um, I don't know what the environmental impact of building tubes would be. Things like the water table would be impacted, I assume. Where would all that soil go that we dig up? How long would it take? How much concrete would we need? When we can just improve like bus travel and get more people to use a bus.
0: Are there any other major cities that have an underground?
1: I don't know. Yes, definitely. But I don't know where. New York? I don't know why certain cities do and don't. Um, I just think it obviously it depends on money. Well, we know that London has much more investment in transport, which is why it can cost me nearly £3 to travel on a five-minute train from Leeds City Centre to Burley Park. And in London, it cost me one pound fifty to travel for an hour on a bus.
0: This is slightly off topic, but the, the prices in transport in the UK seem very different. Um, for yeah. example, it's crazy that you can get on a train from London to Leeds and it's cost me as little as £13 yeah, to get from kind of south-east London to north-west. Mm. It, that could have cost quite a bit.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, with London, there's TFL, so... But in other cities, there isn't that. In Leeds, there's no. There's like all separate companies, and they charge their own prices. So we need to nationalise
0: <laughs> transport. So how does transport relate to? Is it quite important to hugely a important,
1: city? hugely important because um, car use? It's as simple as that. We need to stop using cars because they're horrendous for the environment. And you've got rid of your car. I've got rid of my car because i moved to london and i don't need a car and i think that's really great that i can move to a city and i know multiple people that moved to london and got rid of their cars because they're like i don't need it now because i'm in london and like the uh, part of the reason i don't have my car is because it's it's i can't have it in london because outside my house you have to pay to park so london has done things like that which i think does um you know it's a disadvantage for lower income people because if I were you know if people were richer then they would just pay to park outside their house. So it's not perfect. but but then the transport is subsidized. like the buses and stuff are really cheap, so it's kind of okay. But in Leeds, I, I needed a car to get places like you need a car in Leeds. Um, when I would go back to Birmingham from Leeds, I would need a car because the trains were just so expensive and just really difficult. But now it's really easy in London because the transport's like quick as well. Just get on the Thames Inc.
0: So you don't particularly miss many aspects of Leeds compared to London?
1: I thought you were going to ask me if I miss driving.
0: I can ask that as well.
1: No, I actually don't miss driving. Do you remember my last month of driving in London (laughs) when I had my car for a month? Didn't love it. It was horrendous. I crashed my car. Yeah, i think you
0: started doing things on purpose just no to get rid of well,
1: your car. i got that parking ticket outside your house because mm. i didn't know that in london you can't park on a curb very strict i didn't know that um they should give you a brochure when you move to london <laughs> all the do's and don'ts yeah but they don't
0: they'll do probably that. say you could google it
1: how was i supposed to know to google can i park on a curb because every other city you can do that
0: you learn these things you do as you go along i learned the harsh
1: way so now I don't miss having my car. Like sometimes when I'm like, like going shopping, I'm like, oh, it'd be so much easier. But I'm just like, I'm just lazy.
0: So how and how does <laughs> I spoke to Frank a bit about this, but how did your course or your 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 fourth year? How did it link to how you then lived? Did it have a big impact on the way you? Where you lived sustainability wise
1: yeah, because it made me realize sustainability is really important, and climate change is really real because studying it like knowing about it on the news is one thing, but studying it is another thing, and I think it made me a bit more radicalized because like the stuff that I want now is like community led housing, which is sustainable housing that's not focused on a street, it's focused on like looking out onto like greenery and the houses together and like shared facilities and less cars and better transport and just these radical things which I don't actually think are radical at all but a lot of people would that can really improve the environment but also I think the biggest thing I learned in my course was all of these things that sustainability leads to actually improve people's lives massively so did Frank talk about lilac? I don't think so So Lilac is where Paul, our lecturer, lives. It's this, like, it's community-led housing. So him and his friends, like, created this, like, got this plot of land and built their houses on it the way they wanted. So all the houses um, face inwards towards each other. And in the middle is a giant pond. And the pond is for, um, like, water retention. It's called suds. Um, So if it rains loads, the water goes into the pond. So, like, the area won't flood. Um, And then, obviously, it's really pretty as well.
0: But how does... Who's he living with? Just random people or? Is no, no, of... so
1: like you can choose to move in there. So, um, it was like a few a group of people who built their houses. So some of them are his friends, and some people have applied to live there. But because they built the houses themselves, the houses are really cheap. It's like a hundred thousand pounds for a really nice house, um made of really sustainable materials, um solar panels, um like a water feature to catch water, they've got chickens, like it's a proper community. They share a car and they have like a, a like a, a common house where they have like a, um, a couple of washing machines and dryers because they don't need, they, they realise they don't need, everyone doesn't need a dryer in their house or a washing machine. You just walk across.
0: Do you feel like that's the future for a lot of housing, hopefully? Hopefully. I don't
1: think it is the future, but hopefully. I was actually reading an article today about how um, there's been houses that are approved the, um, to be built on a high flood risk area and... Apparently it's because there's a housing crisis, but there isn't. It's just there's too many people with second homes and things like that and housing's too expensive. Um, so now we're resorting to people living in houses which will flood, which I think is really sad. And there's things that can be done to prevent that, but the government aren't doing that. So this is the situation we're in. And I think if more people did a studied what I studied, we'd have a better world because... The people living in that community in Lilac, you know, they're not spending their entire wage on their mortgage. They live in a community. During COVID, they were in a community. So they weren't alone. They were there for each other. They're not just reliant on their cars. They're not isolated from their neighbours. They live in a really beautiful area. And it's just so so nice compared to what most of us have grown up
0: like. That does sound very nice. Mm. So that was obviously the course, your degree, teaching you a lot about sustainable ways of living which is very interesting we haven't got too much time left unfortunately but could you kind of go into a bit of detail about what what happens after your degree as well because obviously it's a bit of a jump and what kind of opportunities are there for working in sustainable companies
1: I got told a lot that I was doing a really good course because there's a lot of opportunities but unfortunately there's not a lot, of, a lot of opportunities without experience which I think a lot of people on my course found but a lot of people on my course are doing really well. A few people have gone into grad schemes. I've gone into the civil service. Um, I'm soon to be working um, in gem in a sustainability role. I'll soon be prime minister, then president of the United States. So, you know, great things from this course can can happen. You know, Sophie's a transport planner. Hugh works in housing. And so, you know, there's a lot of opportunities. I do have to say, though a lot of people found opportunities in london which is another sad thing so there's more opportunities in certain places in the uk because I know a few pals that have stayed in Leeds have struggled to find find like um sustainability roles because it's just a smaller place I struggled a lot um that's why I went into civil service in a non-sustainability role um but within my role at work I've advocated for sustainability and made a few changes and like I'm a sustainability champion at work and people call me the sustainability princess and mm. you know that's rightly so yeah well i am royalty
0: so it shows you can make a difference even if it's not directly related you can make little changes in a, in a company yeah. based on what you've learned
1: because i think you have as well like becoming vegetarian mm. or pescatarian that's like a small change but i think like sometimes people are scared about sustainability and i've always said it's just what you can do because really, it's the big businesses that need to change, that can actually make a difference. It's the government that need to put in laws and tariffs and need to stop being lobbied by big oil companies. They're the ones that can make the big change. But we're the ones that can say, no, I don't want to consume as much meat. No, I don't want to. Because then it
0: changes the supply and demand. Yeah, aspects.
1: it changes the supply and demand. Look how many vegetarian options there are. You can say, no, I'm not going to buy those peppers in all that plastic. I'm going to, you know, buy the loose ones. Um, and then it just changes, you know, the small things and hopefully that'll make a chain reaction and bigger things can change.
0: I think it's a good way to end it there for now. We could have spoke a lot longer about your degree at Kiel and kind of more, Leeds. yes, your no three-year degree No one Kiel. wants to know no, about my, do.
1: no, because all I did in
0: Kiel was just get smashed, so. You must have done a bit of work to get into this. Yeah, well. We'll try, I know it was a few years ago, but we'll try and get, recall that information on another episode that we do. Yeah, more... or we
1: could do something more interesting.
0: I'd think, well, to be honest, sustainability is, as I said to Frank, it's a very hot topic with...
1: It is a hot topic, but I personally don't find it that interesting anymore because I talk about it all the time. Okay. I want to talk about McDonald's.
0: Just the menu?
1: Oh, yeah. The good bits, the bad bits. Okay.
0: Well, again, a lot of people would find that less interesting. But well, ultimately, I'm a man of my word. I said in the first episode, just like getting people on to speak about their interests and what they you know, what they want to talk about in more detail. And I'd just
1: like to say I've influenced Alex Lewis a lot in his life, but so I'm finally here. Brilliant. (laughs) To be on a podcast so you guys can know how much I've influenced Alex by like being vegetarian, even though he never mentioned it. Yeah, no, and I think Spotify.
0: Well, okay, I'll give you the Spotify one, possibly. The vegetarian
1: one was Jasper and I.
0: No, it was a whole mix. It was Jasper I and I. As I explained in the vegetarian podcast, it was a whole mix. I didn't listen so. to it. Fantastic. <laughs> but thank you for coming on, Nourish. Really appreciate it. You're and welcome. Ho- hope to have you on again a lot sooner. Thank you.
1: Bye.